What I'd like to speak with you about is uh, let God speak first. Let God speak first. Have you ever been to, how many of you come from large families? I come from a very large family. And you might come from a quiet family. You might come from quiet families. Y'all just soft-spoken. Not one person raised their hand in this room. Well, I come from a large family. And my family is loud. Come on, anybody have some loud, large families? Basically everybody in the Gulf Coast region area. Okay? Well, you notice that whenever these families get together, we love each other. But because we want to hear what each other's trying to say, all of a sudden you get everybody in the room and they're kind of talking over each other. And before you even realize it, everybody's yelling, not in anger. They're just trying, they're talking over each other and, and, uh, it can be comical, you know, and if someone is like, yeah, mm-hmm, mine does that all the time. Well, lots of times just in the chaos of a lot of different voices, of a lot of different opinions, of a lot of stuff that's going on, we just need to reflect and say, Lord, God, I want to, I want to hear your voice first. Before I make a decision that's going to be life-altering, before I, I set my feet in a direction, let God, may, I, may you speak first. May that be my heart's desire, Lord. So Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. I like the message version. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. I love it when scripture, God really knows human beings. And he knows how we're going to approach things. He knows that when we have that decision that needs to be made, it's easy for us to... um Go in the direction of what's familiar. Go in the direction of uh, how we know how to handle it. This is how my mama handled it. My dad handled it. You know, go in the direction of how we were trained and skilled. Okay. But God is, he said, listen, I know that you have a plan. And I know that you're familiar. And I've given you a will. And you know how to make decisions and choices. But you know what I'd like for you to do? I'd like for you to let me speak first. I'd like for you to let me speak first. Because I love you so much that I want to be first in your life. And in order for me to be first in your life, you got to place my voice above the priority of everybody in the crowd. And this is what it says. So figure out everything. So don't try to figure out everything on your own. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. In life, we will have, uh, we all have life-changing decisions. Some minor, some majors. A minor uh, decision is, hey, where are we going to go to eat for dinner? You know, where are we going to go to lunch after church? You know, where are we going to go? Some people might say, well, actually, that takes us about 30 minutes to an hour to decide. You know, sometimes that what can be a minor thing can turn into a major thing. And before you know it, we're arguing back and forth. You know, but here's some majors. What job to take or leave? Where should our kids go to school? Who are you going to marry? Or are you going to stay married? Big, big decisions, big choices. And God has said, hey, would you, would you please listen to my voice first? You're going to get a lot of different opinions. You're going to hear a lot of voices in the crowd. 
You'll even hear your own voice speak in your head. Well, I know how to do this. I'm going to fix it. But would you please place my voice first? There are a couple of avenues that God speaks to us. Just These are just three that I thought of. But one, he speaks by his word. He speaks by his spirit. And he speaks by his people. We see... When it says that God speaks by his word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. He's, as we have, have you, as you've heard, Myself and other people say God is a relational God. And so therefore, by being in a relational God, when he's given you the plan and his word of what to do, he wants that, he wants that connection. So he's going to speak to you. How many of you have ever read a scripture? And even though you've read this scripture before, that particular day, at that particular moment, something jumps out at you and you're just like, my goodness, I've never seen that before. But that very thing that jumped out at you is that very thing that you're going to walk through when you get to the office and you didn't even realize it. That's God speaking through his word. He's speaking through his word. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp. For my feet and a light to my path. So one God speaks by his word too. God speaks by his spirit. John 16, 12 through 15. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples as he's, as he's getting ready, as the time is coming for him to go to the cross and he's letting them know, listen, even though you're physically not going to see me here, I'm going to send one, but it's going to be my spirit. Neither you're not going to physically be able to, to touch him. Everything that you hear by my spirit, it's going to be directly from me. I have many more things to say to you, but they are too much for you now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you in all truth. He will not speak his own words, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you, he will tell you what is to come. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me because he will take what I say to you and tell it to you. All that the father has is mine. This is why I said that the spirit will take what I have to say and it will tell it to you. This is Jesus saying, guys, just because you don't see me, trust me. In order for us to continue the relationship connection, you're going to have to hear my voice. Okay? So he speaks by his word. Two, he speaks by his spirit. And three, he speaks uh, by his people. Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they know they are accountable to God. This is clearly saying the order of authority God loves us so very much, even as adults. He has established order and authority, not dictators, but shepherds to help us. Sometimes we can be so close in the conflict and so close in the situation. You ever had those moments and you're like, hold on, I'm going to have to have somebody else interject here. 
Not because you're not smart, not because you don't have a brain. Listen, you, you, sometimes whenever there's conflict and whenever there's, you know, yin and yang, y'all you know what I'm saying? And you need to hey, pause for a moment. Because God's heart, he's not going to take sides. Let me listen to me clearly. He wants to take over. And so therefore he places shepherds in our lives. Listen to what it says. And they know that they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Not to tell you what to do, to dictate to your life. But say, listen, because God loves us so very much. Come on, how many of you know there's people in your life and you can see that God has divinely brought them around you? Divinely from times, divinely from seasons. Because, Lord, I'm going to need some counsel. Lord, I'm going to need some covering. I'm going to need some protection. God, help people that see things that I don't see in my life. I want us to to look at this this picture. It's kind of comical. It says, hang on. I must be doing something wrong. How does that saying go again? Now, when you look at this picture, everybody can see there's something wrong here, right? Do you think he's going to get very far? No. You know, that is a picture sometimes of how we can approach, and I'm speaking to myself as well, how we can approach our relationships or how can we approach, how we approach uh, major choices in our life, you know, and God is saying, would you please let me speak first? Because before you know it, you're in that card and you're saying, come on, I need some power. I need some movement here. And God is like, you're out of order. I didn't ask you to go there. I didn't ask you to do that. And that's not my plan. But the only way that we're going to know that our life is in order is we've got to surrender. So we're going to take, I have just two points tonight. I'd like for us to look at uh, Moses and the children of Israel and just glean some, from lessons that we apply, that we can apply to our lives today so that it can help us to let God speak first. Amen. All right. In Exodus 3, 1 through 14, and we're just going to read the whole passage of scripture so you can write it down or you can uh, take notes. But um, Exodus 3, 1 through 14, one day, Moses was tending to the flock on his father-in-law Jethro's, uh, Jethro, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he went deep into the wilderness near uh, Sinai, the mountain of God. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was not engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Excuse me. But the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Amazing, Moses said to himself, why isn't the bush burning up? I must go over to see this. When the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals. Look to somebody next to you, say, take off your shoes. Just as a metaphor, don't try to do it right now, because that would be weird. Okay. For you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in the hands because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, you can be sure I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. And yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of land into their own, into their own good and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hevites, and Jebusites live. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But who, but who am I, Moses is saying, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? But Moses asked God, how can you expect me to lead these Israelites out of Egypt? Then God told him, I will be with you, and this will serve as a proof that I have sent you. When you have brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you will return here to worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they won't believe me. They will ask, which God are you talking about? What is his name? Then what should I tell them then? And God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them, I am has sent me to you. The God, God also said, tell them the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the, Abra the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This will be my name forever. It has always been my name, and it will be used throughout all generations. So let's glean from that. How can we apply these truths to our life? How to hear God speak first. One, let go of your rights. Let go of your rights. Out of all the things that God could have instructed Moses to do, what did he tell him to do first? Anybody remember? We just said it. Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. When God speaks to us, his word, he always has a purpose. God wants to be Lord in our lives, first in our hearts. The very first commandment in Exodus 23 through 4, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not worship any other gods besides me. The very first commandment is put me first. Worship only me. Let me speak first in your life. Moses was going back to the very place that he ran from. God was trying to petition him, position him to do the very things that he had created him to do. But Moses had to had, had to have an encounter to hold God's voice close and first in his heart. Because what God was about to do, what God was about to do, it wasn't just going to be done in him, but it was going to be done in a family and a nation. And the very thing that God was telling him, Moses, I have great and big things for you. Things that you cannot even begin to imagine. But first, you've got to take off your shoes. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will is. God was going to do a new thing in Moses. Exodus 3, 
12 through 13. Then God told him, I will be with you. And this will serve as proof that I have sent you. And listen, was it when you have brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you will return here to worship God on this very mountain. But Moses protested. God was trying to bring Moses to a greater level of surrender because he could not lead his family. He could not lead his children. He could not lead his nation and he could not lead himself without a greater level of surrender. Even Moses. Before he could have the task of the staff in hand, the rod to part the Red Sea, he had to take off his shoes. Before he could experience the faithfulness of God, the provisions of God, the power of God, the fire by night, the cloud by day, the man, he had to first take off his shoes. Shoes represent rights in the Bible. Listen to this. Ruth and Boaz, the story of Ruth and Boaz, as you know, uh, uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and just read Ruth 4 through 6. Um, or no, excuse me, Ruth 4, 7 through 8. In those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandals and to hand it to the other party. This is publicly validated, the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandals as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. What took place here is that Boaz was going to marry the widow. Boaz was going to marry Ruth. But as the custom was, is that there was a another family that was closer in relation than Boaz. So what Boaz by law had to do is he he gathered the elders in the scripture, Ruth 4, 4 through 6, it says that, um, that he gathered the elders. And as he gathered the elders, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it, okay? I felt that I should speak to you. This is the other kinsman. He said, I felt that I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. Right now, he's talking about land and property. Okay? He's saying, listen, Ruth, uh, there is some land and property. You are the next one in line. And so, therefore, you have the, the rights to it first. But listen to what he says here. If you want the land, that then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right now because I am the next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep it in the land, keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it. Uh, the family uh, redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I cannot do it. And then this is what the custom was. Anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. So here you had a family member, because he was closer they had all the, they had the 10 leaders, the elders around, 
And he said, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to use my right to purchase that land and I'm not going to use my right to claim Ruth as my bride. So therefore I'm taking off my shoe, which is my right, and I'm giving it to you. It was an exchange. It was not by accident that when Moses was about to encounter God in a deeper and a more real real way than ever before, he said, take off your shoes. Because Moses had to have the understanding. He had to have the experience in his spirit. Son, you don't have any rights. Everything that I'm going to do for you is because I love you. It's not because of your great being the, Mo- your, the great Moses. The plagues that I'm going to send, they're not going to be done by you. They're going to be done by me. Me delivering my children for over 400 years out of slavery, they're not going to be done by you. They're going to be done by me. You don't have the right because Jesus is our Redeemer. Just as you and I, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot buy our salvation. Listen to what, listen to what the word says uh, in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. For he has rescued us from the one who rules the kingdom of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all of our sins. Jesus is our redeemer. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God has bought you with a price. So you must honor him with your body. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. But in order for us to receive all that he has for us, we first have to take off our shoes and we have to let go of the rights that we think we have because we don't. It's by his stripes I am healed. It's by his grace I am saved. It's nothing that I do. It's nothing that I can earn. But what happens is, is that whenever I say, Lord, I don't have anything. I take off my, I take off my shoes. I surrender my life to you. I remove my pride out of the way, which he opposes and allow humility to work through me so that I can hear his voice, but also so that I can obey his voice. Ladies and gentlemen, just take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. Galatians 2.20, it says, I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how to hear God's uh, speak first? Let go of your rights. God has created us, and it's within our wiring as human beings to want to be loved, to have security, to have understanding and purpose and significance. But when we hold on to our rights and try to attain, obtain these soul longings outside of a surrendered life to God, 
then we create an idol in our lives of the persons, the places, and the things that fill our heart first instead of God. It's God that will add these blessings. The Egyptians had been, excuse me, the children of Israel had been surrounded for so long with so many false gods and but now divinely God was going to free them. But it first had to begin. Take off your shoes. Because God's going to do something greater inside of us that he so longs into his desires. But we have to surrender to him. We have to surrender to him. Because the plan that God has in store for the children of Israel, he was going to take them out of bondage and declare to the world that I love you, you belong to me. He was going to free them, provide for them, protect them. But it first started with surrender. And there's no difference in our lives today. Come on, are you with me? You understand why I'm going with this? Look at somebody, oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. So one, how to hear God speak first is we got to let go of our rights. Number two, how do we let God speak first to us? Is we have to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. The level of my surrender directly affects the degree of my obedience to God. How was he able? Just picture it. We know the stories of Moses. But here you have the Egyptian army coming. And it wasn't just like no 20, try over 2 million people. And if they've been in slavery for over 400 years, that's about four generations. Scriptures say 430 years. The mentality that one must have being in that state. It would be easy. I can see why griping and complaining. You brought us out here to kill us. You need to take off your shoes. Because they knew the customs. They knew the customs. But the level of my surrender directly affects the degree of my obedience. See, Moses had first had to have that encounter with the Lord. So that whenever God gave him, started giving him the instructions. Hey, Moses, you see that stick? I want you to extend it forward. Oh, Lord, I just got a stick. Yeah. What, what are you going to do with it? He didn't argue. Lord, what am I going to do with this stick? It's just a stick. Yes. But Moses, remember when you and I had the talk on the mountain and you surrendered to me? You gave up your rights to me? You do what I want you to do. You do what I called you to do. You, you act in obedience and watch me never fail you. Watch me never forsake you. She so said, well, Dixie, I don't have a, I don't have a stick and I don't have Egyptian army coming after me. But man, we can walk in obedience to love unconditionally. We can walk in obedience to forgive graciously. We can walk in obedience to receive godly pastoral counsel. We can walk in obedience. John 8, 31, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. You know, in our family, we have a, when the kids are kind of getting rowdy and rambunctious, you know, we have this, um, we kind of hold up our pointer finger like this. And they all know what it is. We're not about to count one, two, three, third time obedience. No, that's not how we operate in our family. 
we just hold up our pe- our finger like this. You know what it means? First time obedience. First time obedience. In Exodus three ten, it says, "Now go, for I am sending you." Moses had to choose. He had to choose to obey. Let me tell you something. Our obedience will also be quicker and sharper the greater level that we surrender. I'm sure in in the dialogue that you see Moses, a couple of times he said, Lord. A couple of times he said, are you sure? A couple of times he said, Lord, I don't know about this. Let me tell you something. He went to another greater level, another level of surrender, another level of surrender. So that whenever he was, for lack of a better word, in the arena on the battlefield, he didn't say, well, y'all, we got to give up. We're about, we're in, there's a Red Sea here. There's the army. Y'all going to die. That's it. No, I can't even begin to fathom that. But because he gave up his rights. He said, I don't have no rights. It's all about God. I can't rescue y'all for over 400 and something years. But God can. I can't bring plagues, but God can. Ephesians 2, 2, it says, You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan. The mighty power of the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. See, disobedience is not just in a two-year-old that maybe we can see. But we always have to ask God to examine our heart. God, do I have this? Father, do, do I have this? Because, Lord, I am your child. Do I have first-time obedience, Lord? Or am I quick to kind of argue? Or am I quick to say, mm, Lord, you better call somebody else. Lord, I don't want to do that. Father, God, help me to have first-time obedience. But before I can have first-time obedience, i got to take off my shoes and I have to surrender. In Exodus 3, 8 through 12, I thought it was interesting. It says, so I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt in their own good and spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Pezzarites, however you pronounce that, Hevites and Jebusites live. He says, I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. But I'm also going to bring them to this place where all these people live. Now, Moses was very familiar with all of these people. So were the children of Israel. These were pagan and ungodly people who hated the children of Israel. Oh, so Lord, you're going to bring us out of slavery. And then you're going to bring us to a place where people hate us. Are you kidding me? You want me to obey that? But also in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter, occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. And it's the exact same nations that he told. The Hittites, the Gurgisites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Hevites, Jebusites, these seven nations are all among the the powerful. These seven nations are all more powerful than you. But listen, listen to what Deuteronomy 6 says. Man, you hear the heart of God. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. All of the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not choose you 
the Lord did not choose you and lavish his love on you because you were larger or greater than any other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. It was simply because the Lord loves you. And because he was keeping the oath, he had sworn to your ancestors. This is why the Lord rescued you with such amazing power from your slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and constantly loves those who love him and obey his commands. God might give you an instruction. Hey, I want you to go and forgive them. Mm, Lord, you don't know what they did to me and my family. But I want you to obey me. Lord, I want you to, I want you to love unconditionally. Are you kidding me? Lord, they're crazy. There's like no good thing in them. I think that's who you were talking about whenever you said that. No, I want you to love unconditionally. I want you to forgive graciously. In Hebrews 3, 1 through 15, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read it all. But it talks about how the children of Israel, let me go, I will go ahead and read verses 3, verses 1. Today you must listen to his voice. Don't harden your hearts against him as Israel did when they rebelled. It comes down to us trusting that God cannot fail us. It comes down to the same God that rescued the children of Israel is the same God that is with you today. And not only did he rescue them, but there's a couple of things I want us to look at. Satan will always bring fear and lies to try to stop you from obedience to God. Satan wants to destroy and detour. Satan wants to destroy and detour from the presence and the provisions that God has for his children. See, the thing about rights is the the principles that come with rights is that I have the right to his presence and I have the right to his provision. But any rights that we have was extended to us by the work of Jesus Christ, not by our own, but because he loves us. And when you and I choose to take off our shoes and say, I don't have any rights, I I don't have the right to be mad at them because Jesus forgave me on the cross. I don't have the right to hold on forgiveness with them because Jesus washed my sins away. And when you and I choose to obey the Lord with our lives as his children, we become in right standing with him and he extends to us as his heirs the provision and the protection of God. Not because anything that we've done. The children of Israel murmured and griped and complain. God said, I'm going to bring fire by night. I'm going to bring cloud by the day. And I'm going to bring you man and quail. I'm going to provide for you because I love you. Not because of anything that you've done, but for who I am. And that is the same God that you and I serve today. Amen? God was telling Moses, take, take up your new name, your new way of thinking, as sons and daughters. They had to encounter and experience not slave mentality, not a survivor mentality, scrounging for scraps, but my sons and daughters 
See, when you and I, whether it's our life experiences, whether we've been surrounded by negativity, it will affect how we see ourselves and how we think. And the Lord is saying, listen, when you give your life to me, when you give your life to me, and you walk in obedience to me, I'm going to give you a new identity. And that new identity is my son and my daughter. But it first begins, it first begins, would you put God first? Would you let him speak first? Would we recognize, man, I I need God. I need him in my decisions with my family because I do not know everything. I need him in my decisions with my spouse. I need him in the decisions with my children. I need him in these decisions. Yes, Lord, you've given me a free will. But the Lord God, I give you my life. I give you my life. When Moses, when God was telling Moses, I am with you, he was telling Moses because God is an eternal God. So therefore his word is eternal. He was telling God, he was telling Moses, listen, I will bring you out of Egypt. Moses had no idea what he was going to face at the Red Sea. I will bring you through the desert. Moses had no idea what he was going to face. Can you begin to picture two, leading over two million gripping, complaining people who have been in a slave mentality for over 430 years, four generations? Can you see their mentality? Moses could not begin to comprehend in his own mind and ability what he was going to be faced with. But God is saying, I will bring you out of Egypt. I will bring you out of bondage. I will bring you through the Red Sea and I will bring you through victory of every battle that tries to come against you. The level of my obedience to God directly affects the degree of my dependency upon God. Look at the different stages that Moses had to depend upon God. Many times we say, God, do, everyone in here will say, God, do something great and big in my life. Come on, you know, you say that in the morning. God, use me. I do. And he said, oh, I do. I have great and mighty plans for you. But first, I need you to take off your shoes. First, I need you to obey me. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you allowing to cover you? See, I covered the children of Israel. But who are, whose covering are you walking under? Who are you allowing to feed you? To feed your spirit, to feed your soul? See, first-time obedience is not just for my precious nieces and nephews. But first-time obedience is for you and I. Simply because He loves us. Amen? Amen. The level of my obedience to God directly affects the degree of my dependency upon God. Don't put your gifts, your abilities, life experiences above the one who has given you the gift. The one who has given you the opportunity. Always ask God first. Because he might want to do something new and fresh in and through you. Because it's who he is. And he loves you. But he wants us to. Come on, can you do it?
first. Walk in obedience. And more when we do, you and I will experience that rod in our hand. You and I will see and experience the grandeur, the grandeur of who God is in our life. Because the same God that led the children of Israel out of slavery is the same God that will free us from our oppression. The same God that provided a home for the children of Israel is the same God that will provide provisions for you and your job and your family. Because he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So in closing, I just want to share with you a, a personal story, and then we're going to wrap it up. Some of you might have heard this story before, but um, one day I got a phone call. Uh, I was actually driving down West Congress Street, right where the, the Jambalaya house is. And, um, and I got a phone call, and the person began the conversation with, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, okay, pause for a moment. You're, you're saying you're sorry, and I hear you, but I don't know, you know, what is the context of where you're going. And she was apologizing on behalf of a mutual friend of ours because this mutual friend had made another bad choice, another bad choice that would hurt my heart. And as I heard this news, I was just in shock. And I began to tell the Lord, and, and I, I, honestly, it wasn't like, oh, Heavenly Father. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was literally nauseous. I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I just, I just kind of went very directly in my conversation with the Lord. It went something like, Lord, are you kidding me? Are you serious? How many times is this person going to hurt me, Lord? Come on. Seriously, Lord? And I'm just sharing with him my heart because I'm heartbroken and I'm frustrated. And the gentleness of the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, yeah, I understand, Dixie. I understand that that person's actions, they hurt you. I understand. He said, now you know what my heart feels like when you sin. And in that moment, immediately, God wasn't looking to take sides. He wants to take over. And he loves me so much that he got my attention off of justifying my unforgiveness. But he got my attention towards me and my relationship with him. Say, Dixie, are you going to put me first? Ladies and gentlemen, we know that there are some hard decisions in life. Hard decisions. Hard to extend grace lots of times. Hard to extend love. Because it's never going to come out of our own ability. It will always come out of us not living by the flesh, but by the Spirit of God. With surrender when we take off our shoes. And so in that moment, I didn't blame. I didn't hold unforgiveness, but I said, Lord, help me, Jesus, not to hurt your heart through my own disobedience of harboring unforgiveness.
So ladies and gentlemen, my challenge and what I just encourage you to do is he speaking first? Is he speaking first? Because he loves you too much not to speak first. He loves you too much not to have first time obedience. You and I will never encounter and experience our purpose and the fullness that God has in store for our lives unless we take off our shoes so we don't have the right and act in first time obedience. Because He's our Heavenly Father and He loves us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Let's go to the Lord. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. You see, Dixie, it's hard for me to get to that place of surrender because I've had so much disappointment. I've had so much heartbreak and betrayal. My friends, God can never fail you. His ways are perfect and holy. And you can trust Him with your life. But you have to choose to take off your shoes. Say, Lord, I don't have any rights. I give them to you. I surrender. If you have never surrendered your life to the Lord, that's the first place to begin. If you say, Dixie, I need Him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Because He's calling for you. Oh, my son and my daughter, would you come on? Just repeat this prayer with sincerity of your heart. Jesus, here I am. God, I need you. I can't live this life without you. Jesus, I take off my shoes. I'll let go. God, I'm tired of resisting you. I'm tired of wrestling and fighting. God, I surrender my life to you. Have it. God, I receive your forgiveness into my heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I am yours and you are mine. Amen. If you made that decision, you're not alone. Every person in here is your family. And we want to walk with you. We want to know your name. We want to walk with you. You can fill out a card in the pew and bring it to the info center. We have a gift for you. But for everybody else, you say, oh, how many of you, when you go to bed and you take your shoes off at night, you're going to say, Lord, may I keep in the forefront of my mind that all that I have is yours. God, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. See, many times it's always good, and I'm speaking to myself, to remind us we didn't earn our salvation. It's by Him. So would you stand to your feet as we pray, Lord, help us to take off our shoes. Lord, help us to let you speak first in our life. And Lord, help us 
to have first-time obedience in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you pray with that with us? Father, I thank you right now. God, I thank you that your word went forth and the Holy Spirit, you are speaking. You are speaking and stirring in the hearts of your children. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring us to greater levels and show us of areas that we need to surrender. And that, Father, may first-time obedience, first-time obedience be established in us. If there have been generational generations, Lord God, that have been rebellious, Father God, reveal that to us and we break it right now to where today, this generation in me will be a generation that serves the Lord. Come on, I want you to say, for as for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. Come on, make it a declaration. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. Father, I thank you for that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, may we hold your word, hold your presence dear to our hearts. Father, continue to speak to your children. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, we love you and we care for you. If there's anything we can do to help you, pray with you or serve you. Let us know. You are dismissed.